put that one. Hey everybody, Dave Putz here from JKP Holdings. Welcome back. Nathan Turner over here, Canadian note guy over here, just joining you this Friday after or Friday morning for that matter. Nate, how you been, my man? How are things going? I'm good. I'm just thinking you actually probably got buried in the snow this. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little hectic, I would say. Um, it was uh, expected about a dusting and maybe an inch. My yeah. kids were excited about getting about three to four inches in a matter of a couple hours. Yeah. Um, and out snow blowing at 7.30 at night. So it's been a it's been a week. I'm sure you are you guys getting any snow yet? We've had a little bit. Like there, there's nothing on the ground right now. We we totally missed that storm altogether. It just wow. it skirted just south of us, so we didn't get to see any of it. Oh I I, I have to say I'm a little jealous. It's that's good to see. Good I'm to hear you guys. Dude, I wish. <laughs> My kids are upset. That there's no like missing school right now. They're like, yeah, snow day. They're still stuck at school. So, I guess in that aspect, it's it's been pretty good. So, you know, 2020 has been a whirlwind change, and weirdly enough, in the last ten plus years we've been doing this, notes have gone in flow. I think we talked about yeah. a year plus ago, and September was a time frame things went low. Yeah. 2020 was one of those kind of years. It was an interesting year. It was it was odd because um, I mean, obviously, early on there was a lot of uncertainty and like what's going to happen, and everyone was totally on edge, and so a lot yeah. of things just kind of like almost stopped. It came to a very much of a, a very slow crawl there for a little while. But yeah, interestingly enough, um, I mean, I resell everything I buy, right? So I actually. This is actually my best year ever. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and yep. then buying too. I, I didn't really have very much of an issue finding anything to purchase this year. So it's that's been great. Yeah, it's been one of those years where it just didn't make sense. Um, and we're seeing inventory. I mean, we we're talking before camera rolling, and that <clears throat> with inventory way that was, I think that there the inventory was ebb and flow for all year long. But we didn't see a lot for a couple months because no one knew what to expect. I think timeframes for foreclosures were kind of screwy and yeah. people were kind of holding steady while at the same time pricing was outrageous at points. At points, yeah. And you kind of had to navigate that a little bit. Um, hopefully everyone did that well and, and yeah. got, you know got by okay. But but yeah with timelines being screwed up again and kind of not as bad obviously as what it was back in 2010 and 11 yeah where delays were outrageous um i mean there are still counties that are not opened up yet uh, i've got a cook county loan that was supposed to foreclose in march or april and it's indefinite at this point so who knows when yeah. that's gonna happen anyway but it's been an interesting year uh the, one of the surprising things to me was that um, with all we've heard on the news and everything else about uh, people not being able to make payments and things, I, I think you and I talked about this, but I've talked with several other note people. And when we look at our own portfolios, we're yeah. not seeing a huge drop. Correct. I yeah. It's interesting. And so I'm not exactly sure what that means for the future. Uh, if we're going to see the the tidal wave of non-performers come like everyone is kind of talking about 
that that sounds right but when you talk to people that are in the business their default rate has not gone up significantly so no and we all expected it we're all like oh crap you know we talk privately to groups and it's like this mm -hmm. this is not good guys you know what are you going to do how are you going to handle it mm -hmm. um and you know one of our key things that we talked about is we don't want to get to a point where we have to foreclose on people right we don't want to get into the reo and eviction situation because as we both know that's a whirlwind right now yeah and they it's it's nurse to say that however we found that most people continue to perform yeah um was it helped by the government maybe but i don't know i don't know i never really able to put that together most of them i think two defaulted for <clears throat> i think we got like a two or three percent default rate and that was it which was shocking yeah yeah and and it's hard to know you know and i don't know that we're going to have the data on this for at least another couple of months yep. um, because how much of that was government funding help propping things up and how much of that yep. was just forbearances but even forbearances i didn't have a lot of those and i don't think a lot of people had not, not yeah. a huge percentage no not the ones i've talked to i think it's more the other side of it when things went haywire yeah. um is when things went a little nuts for me for people's so i think that with gen 20 people just went on pause but they were telling still paying their bills and i agree with you government lifting them up was a huge part of all that mm -hmm. but i think that you know i'm curious where the job loss was was it in you know, was it as bad as it was? Was it going on in different sectors that just didn't affect us? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, with 2020, as it laid out, it what was broadcasted live and, and all the worries is different from what really happened in yeah. different aspects without getting political. And I think that that just, you're right. We're not gonna understand any of this for months down the line yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the true fallout really is because it's it's too early to tell we've we've yep. had government help all along the way and i suspect that with the new government we're going to see more of that coming along the lines so that's kind of their mo and so then we'll, yeah it's likely that we're going to see more of that propping up and but then the question is how long can that last you, you can't just keep paying people to do nothing forever that, that doesn't work <laughs> yeah i know that i recently got sent a message somebody said they're putting out another stimulus plan possibly monday um i heard about it i didn't read the details of it but you know what does that mean for us and will they kick down the curb foreclosure for all the federally backed loans and i don't right. know and that's a um, big big question for us um yeah you know it's hard to say that it's hard to imagine that this won't have a, a tremendous effect but so far we're not really seeing it so don't know yeah <laughs> so far we're just not seeing it yeah and i don't know if you know we're looking at a pool of non-performers now and you know the question is do we jump on it with this whole vaccine coming through and i don't know what that looks like mm -hmm. um i'm not sure yeah it's it, it sets up a weird 2021 um yeah because there's so many unknowns and I mean, this is, it's interesting because even I think of a year ago before COVID hit when we were at the IMN conference. Yeah. I mean, 
at every IMN conference, frankly, when you're, they're doing the grand overview and it's like, well, if the Fed does this, then this might happen. But if they do that, then this might happen. So it's always yeah. unknown. But yeah. this, this just takes it to a whole other level. Yeah. It, it, it's a mixture between COVID situation, the government changing, you know, yeah. whatever aisle you fall on, you fall on. Um, and not knowing what they're going to do and then how they're going to handle this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. And I'd love to see what other people's impression of 2020 was. So feel free to put a post up or a comment in the box. And, yeah. you know, this is an open conversation. And it leads to, like you said, what's going to happen in 2021? And I, I like the fact that you want to talk about goal setting and, and achievable things that we kind of hold accountability there. Um yeah. And with the unknowns, it makes it a little more difficult, but really kind of focuses you on what you should be doing every day. Absolutely. I, you know, it, part of it is interesting. We're all kind of waiting for another tidal wave. But at the same time, like we're saying, we're still seeing product. And a lot of it is recycled product. And a, and a large percentage of that is still from 2008 fallout. Yeah. It, it has not gone away. It's not a yeah. problem. And it's just disappeared. So with that, and then... With uncertainty, surely, surely we're in for another, you know, correction, crash, whatever it might be. Um, I expect we'll see more product coming on online here in the next anywhere from six to eighteen months. I, I don't know, but yeah. uh, surely. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that you know when you said that old product has come back. I mean, Fannie Mae and Freddie weren't selling any of their stuff in 2010, 2013. They just started in the last couple of years selling stuff. So all yeah. that inventory is still not trickling down yet. Right. Um, so the big funds that are buying 100, 500 million from Fannie, mm -hmm. they're still buying like crazy and it's still old inventory. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that's slowly trickling down and they didn't want to sell anything because they didn't want the whirlwind of right. selling it. So right. I think that I'm curious what the inventory will trigger down because most of those big boys are selling now to other big boys that weren't around 10 years ago. So yeah. what inventory will trickle down through that filter that wasn't there when we began? That's a good um, point. They weren't there. There was no outlet 10 years no. ago. So now there, there most definitely is. And so now they've, they've got somewhere to put it. You know, and you know, will they get rid of low level fruit kind of hanging out there will they get rid of high level stuff will they bulk off like they did before um do they have the infrastructure that was the reason they didn't get involved before is they didn't have the infrastructure they do now and the servicing is do totally different things we have yeah. services was created out of this whole thing absolutely you know yeah. uh, madison was created from this stuff so i'm curious what it's going to be like um but with that said with all these unknowns i love yeah. to talk about where we look to do, what we want to learn in 2021 as, as investors, and what do we want to focus on coming in this six to 12 months? And where do we see ourselves in a 12 month period? So give me some bullet points. We'll go back and forth on this. What are you looking to focus on? So, I mean, I'm doubling down. I'm, I'm starting a fund and I'm putting that together now. I'm uh, just kind of hammering out details on that and it'll be ready early in the new year. Uh, not that I'm advertising that. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm just mentioning that's coming, but that's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting ready and I'm fully expecting, um, you know, between, between what's already out there and what I expect to be coming down the pipeline here in the near future. Um, I'm getting ready for that. And what kind of inventory are you looking to purchase net lower level CFDs first seconds performing, non-performing 
you know, it's been really interesting in preparation for this. We've been doing a lot of analysis. Um, so, I mean, five years ago when I started buying loans the way I am now, um, I was really going after the low, low stuff. So I, like property values between 30 and 60, 75, maybe. Uh, and, and looking at over the last years, what we've closed and what's gone well and what hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> it did. And one problem with that kind of property and your profits are gone. That's it. So I had a lot of really great home runs. But if I look at, you know, over the last three years, I think there were eight times where it was a loss. Uh, every one of those was, you know, property value under 50,000. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my target has shifted over time. And now I'm looking still between 50 and about 150 property value. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we go back to our conversation last time about how do you how do you bid on that and things like that. And that's a go watch yeah. that video. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, and I think that's you know we came to that conclusion as well that those low level fruit is attractive when you first get in because mm -hmm. you could buy a five ten thousand dollar purchase. Yeah. Um, but when you get into the thick of things, the cost is not based on the property value. Right. <laughs> Foreclosure cost is the set price no matter what you do yeah so to get a higher value property the percentage of rehabbing a bathroom for five ten grand in yeah. subject a at 30 grand value versus a hundred thousand dollar house the the dollar amount goes up a little bit but not so much that it makes a killer situation when yeah. you buy a house our first property i think was worth 30 grand yeah. and just to do a kitchen was like three grand like holy god like it killed the deal it was 10 percent yeah exactly it, it gets into that kind of stuff so yeah. you know and With even that the home fun, runs, yeah. it's funny because even the home runs on those, percentage-wise, it looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You bring it home three thousand dollars, and you're like, oh, yeah, like ten percent. I mean, three ten percent. It sounds wonderful. You know, I made a thirty percent return. He was like, well, that's great. You know, but I think that you know, there's still people chasing that dollar amount, and I think that I'm not saying not to do that. Um, no, for sure. I think that risks. yeah, huge risk. Because when pricing was different before, it's different. But you, yeah. you know, I think that when you're first getting in, I'm encouraging people to buy partials. Yeah, I think it's a great way to get in with five or six thousand dollars to That's not cool. make the headaches and mistakes that we made, mm -hmm. and not get into a non-performer in you know Cincinnati, Ohio, or Sandusky, Ohio, or wherever you're buying at, right? Or Memphis, Tennessee. And instead of buying a thirty thousand dollar asset. Maybe you can get a nice property in Florida or a property in Texas that's performing and you just, you buy a partial at whatever yield you're looking for, for yeah. a period of three, four years, and you fund the seller to go buy more assets. Yeah. And then it works out and then it goes and gives you more stuff. Yeah. I think that is a great avenue for people who have Roth IRA, five, six thousand dollars. Go approach someone who has a seller who has a performing assets. Listen, can I buy year payments? You get the skill level, you get the experience, you get the personal sale agreement, and you make a relationship. Yeah, and it's a great return on a partial as well. So it's yeah. something worth looking at. Yeah. They're, they're so, great. They really are. They're kind of like a <laughs> subset of everything that we're doing. Yeah, there's so many subsets. And, you know, I think that what we're looking to focus on is still buying that property value 50 grand or higher. Yeah. Um, Aaron Quinn said hello, by the way. So, um, so I think that with everything going on, I, I'm looking at buying assets that are, you know, still in the 50 to 300,000 property value, um, mm -hmm. depending on what state, you know, we're looking at states in 
that, you know, the Southeast usually, but we're looking at other states. We have a few states we're starting to avoid. Ohio is one of the states I just don't like anymore for multiple reasons. Yeah. Time frames and whatnot. But I think that we're looking at, you know, we're still looking first. Um, we're still looking to buy performing and not performing assets. Um, we're buying seconds performing most of the time. Um, we don't buy too many non-performers. Uh, Quentin, how are you, my man? But we're looking at buying more of those down assets. 2020, yeah. we, we were just kind of in a freeze bubble. Mm -hmm. um, in the last 10 years, we've been buying those kind of assets. But our what we did in 2020 is we kind of changed our percentage of returns on non-performing assets with the uncertainty of how long we're going to hold this thing until we get out. Right. You know, if we get stuck in a BK situation, holy crap. So in 2021, we're going to be hesitant and increase our, our required returns for non-performer until we have an idea of what's going to happen because okay. we don't know timeframes. Yeah. But we're going to still focus on those big assets, the, you know, over 50 grand in value. Um, we're going to try getting the some CFDs if we can find them at that value. But we're really going to start looking at getting into some commercial stuff, some mixed-use stuff. Um, we're thinking that's going to come to fruition. It's just something I haven't bought before. So I'm kind of curious okay. about that. You're looking at office space? Office space, maybe a restaurant that went out of business and see if we can kind of buy the note on it and, sure. you know, save the business. Like we'd save yeah. the homeowners, right? Yeah. And buy it for a good price, get it maybe performing because we get this whole thing opened up and maybe some ideas and work with people smarter than I am to figure out how to make that happen and understand how commercial notes are different from residential and understand that front piece. That's one of the learning experiences i'm hoping um if anyone listening knows that some experience on that i'd love to talk to you buying those kind of notes could make another avenue an angle on what we're looking to do um new learning experience as well i don't see a lot of commercial i don't know what your tape's been in the past i don't either i'd be interested in in exploring it but uh, but same i don't see a lot but i'm also not looking for it so yeah. it, i wonder if i went looking for it uh how easy or hard would it be to find you know, we have a few people like Massachusetts and whatnot that gives us like auto-offs. Um, and we have a few brokers that we both know that uh, have some great inventory that we go from there. Mm -hmm. um, Sean just asked a question, how to go from zero to 100 notes in 2021. Um, uh, you know, the biggest thing is get in, get tapes, get inventory, and attend online webinars as well as conferences. You're going to find sellers that way. And investors who may want to get out right now, like, crap, I'm out of here. I have 20 assets. I want to just get rid of stuff. Um, so, Sean, if that's the kind of question you're looking at, like how to get into that next level, you know, I would also have, caution yeah. though, if you're going from zero to go from zero to 100, that's a huge leap. Yeah. A huge leap. That's, that's, that's zero to one is big. Right. That's eating yeah. the whole elephant all at once. That's, yeah. that's a big jump. But if you can go zero to 10, yeah. figure out how to manage those 10 and then, you know, go from 10 to 20. Uh, that's how I would advise going about that. <laughs> and don't I mean, just go and buy a hundred notes. You'll, you'll <laughs> yeah. Or the 10,000 that we know well. of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it, the big thing on that is systems. And I think what yeah. we want to do is, you know, keep pushing our systems, keep making them better. We're always improving our systems. Um, and, and, you know, we looked at looking at buying seller finance notes that kind of fallen off for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I think we're looking at doing um, 10 notes, guys, not 100. Yes. Um, but just, you means go 100 miles an hour. So yeah. I think, though, with, with 
this situation is we're looking at doing buying seller finance notes and looking at county records um, because that may be another angle. So yeah, commercial notes is something we want to get into. We want to look into seller finance and really kind of dive down besides buying lists. Um, I don't know if you've bought lists in the past. We have. I never and I, the one that stands out to me was we bought a note and the <clears throat> note on one of the notes on the list that we liked a lot um, was released by the county government in 1985. Oh, wow. So maybe I had a bad situation, maybe a bad experience, but I said, this is crazy. Um, yeah. I bought it with our friend Liz and I'm like, this is just nuts. And I, yeah. it, it just gave me a sour taste. So we want to find a different way of doing that. And as most people know, I like automation, but I'd love to find that, that seller finance situation that works out and we can kind of go from county to county and year by year and kind of allocate which ones are. Yeah. A lot of people have asked about buying from banks. What's your knowledge, experience, what you've heard from people buying from banks? Have at her. <laughs> my, my experience, uh, here's what I'll tell you. So um, I, back in 2010, uh, that was that was one of the things you heard about when I first was getting started. It's, oh yeah, you can buy directly from a bank. So I, I went in, I, was, I had a project to go in in Columbus, Ohio. So we went in, in fact, not even in Columbus, we went, um, I don't remember the town, just a suburb and it was just a little local bank, yep. you know, three branches in the whole state, that kind of thing, just a small guy, cause that's made sense to go to the smaller guys and you're not gonna buy from Bank of America, all that kind of thing. So I went in and talked to him brick wall i mean there's the, no i it's i'm sure it's possible i mean obviously banks are selling to somebody yeah. but not to me yeah <laughs> I've had and i know there's some software out there to kind of track that kind of stuff to see where inventory is at but I, i've heard a lot of people make this suggestion to try it out um i've heard very little success uh, a friend of ours adam yeah. had had a slam dunk in san antonio a couple yes. years ago yeah um and that went really crazy because the, the collateral was weird. The funding was weird. But I think that, you know, we, this idea that banks sell, so we should contact them, mm -hmm. don't always correlate. Because most time, I promise you, walk your local bank, open a bank account, ask the person behind the desk how to get a hold of non-performing or special assets. They'll say, what are you talking about? Exactly. They have no idea. Um, and you get that inventory, usually it's, I've seen a couple of tapes and it's like warehouse and factory. So, yeah, I, you know. And I the other thing is, is, if you're talking to a bank, they're not gonna sell off one or two or even 10 notes. They're, they yeah. wanna sell off 100 or 300 or 500 at a time. Like they're talking yeah. big, big dollars. So for the general, you know, our level of- Mom and pop shops, yeah. Yeah, even the guy with, you know, $5 million, honestly, you're gonna have a hard time placing that with the bank that's that's too small yeah you know unless you have a great in which are amazing yeah. if you have a great in i think that for us you know even the big funds that we know of, we talk to they're not buying from banks no they're buying from each other no. right merrill lynch is buying from this fund and you know yeah. they're buying from freddie or they're buying from you know all these big things are kind of intertwined it's weird how we more that we get into this the more we find it's smaller yes. and it's so tight yeah um, but we're, you know, we're buying from other investors. I'll buy from you, you buy from me. And that's really how it goes because sometimes the deal for you, you need to get out of a deal, sunsets for whatever reason, your investor wants to get paid off or you've held it for a period of time, made a killing, you got to re-performing and now you want to cash out. Right. 
And I think that happens more than we believe, want to believe it does. Even at the big note exchanges, that's some investor selling to another investor. That's not a bank listing it. <laughs> exactly. Right. I don't think banks buying from banks is impossible, but it's just it's a lot of work. Yeah. Hard work and your chances are not great. So not to so, say never try it, but so by next year, where are you looking to be system wise, um, inventory wise, structure wise? What's your crystal ball side? By next year, um, by the end of next year. Currently, I've got about 80 notes that I'm, I'm dealing with. Um, my goal for when I kind of first started was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have 100 notes? And that, I've kind of revised that a little bit uh, <laughs> just because, because I started out with the little guys. And I'm like, 100 notes at $3,000 a pop profit. That, that's great. <laughs> but yeah. what if I could do 50 notes you know, at $10,000 yep. profit each? That, that makes more sense. Yep, uh, less so, so that's kind of a hundred notes is still on the, uh, still on, you know, my list of goals that I want to get, but it's a different level of, of asset than I used to buy. Uh, I'd like to have somewhere between three and 4 million deployed, um, you know, in play. So I've, I've got about three to 4 million funding a hundred notes that are cycling through in one way or another. Yeah. I, I I see myself in the same situation. Is um, one of the questions is what's the best way to collateralize when raising money? Um, if you're talking about collateralizing a loan, you can definitely do that. There's not a lot of buyers that I've experienced. I know David Horn does some stuff with that. You probably hook up with Eddie Speed, um, but collateralizing a loan, uh, a collateralized a, a collateral paper, is done. It absolutely is done, but just something we're not experienced in. Um, but raising money, doing it the way through a private equity, like we are doing it um, through personal funds or doing what Nathan doing, raising the fund is probably the best way to raise money. Um, and what you're doing is basically saying you're going to split profits um, and structure the way you want to structure it through. But then you can't advertise, depending on what kind of fund you're running, you can't advertise, you can't talk about it um, and whatnot. So that would be a good way to raise money that way, unless you can do other ways you know, again, like we have private equity, so I'm not, uh, I'm not stuck on doing a fund where I'm raising capital. But I think for us, getting to a spot where we're buying loans on a regular basis is key for us. Uh, but we also, like you, I'm not looking to buy a thousand loans next year. If it comes up, it comes up. Our, my funding partners and I, we're more about buying the asset by buying numbers. Um, I don't care if I buy one loan or if I buy a hundred. If I buy a hundred and they're all, they don't work, then they don't work. Yeah. Um, we're not in a rush. I'm not looking to compete with somebody else and say, well, you bought 10, I have to buy 10. Right. It doesn't always work that way. And no. What works for you doesn't work for me, works out. So I think that for us is, I want to get more systems in place. You know, I want to get in a position where we're buying a little different notes. I want to learn about stuff. And I need to get one commercial deal on our belt. Just one to get the experience. Mm -hmm. I also want to work on, finding the methodology to find the seller financing without using a list to buy from. Okay. Um, and I really think that would be a good avenue because of all the stuff that's going on now, there's going to be a lot of people in bad shape Yeah, for one reason or another. Yeah. And we're not going to get those from lists. Hopefully uh, we're going to get them from local people, just putting the County records out there. They, they, they have a mortgage on file. They put the lien and we get a hold of it. 
Um, are you again any like, tax liens or any kind of mechanic liens? I I recently talked to a, a fellow that does tax liens, and and he was telling me how it how it's so much better than notes. And so I'm 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 curious. Uh, I'd like to look into it more, but so far um, I've had to redeem taxes on, on properties that I'm dealing yes. with, but I've never purchased tax liens. But it, it's it's an interesting avenue. Uh, I'm not sure I fully understand it well enough to to do anything about it, but yeah. uh, but it's interesting. We also been uh, offered to buy uh, mobile home park liens and stuff like that. And I, uh, as much as I love to explore it, be interested in it. It's just a whole new world to be learning about. And I think that we're not done learning about this world, not done buying in this world. So moving on to another space, just not for me. Um, I'm not a big rental person. I don't like rentals. Um, but it, <laughs> in I think that getting into that trail park idea is getting back into a rental scenario, so a fine scenario, and just not for me. Um, yeah. But you know, with your systems, with your fund that you're coming out with, and we're not advertising people, right? We're just talking about funds. Now, you know, what systems do you need to have in place to do, to get to another level for you guys? So I, I'm very hands-on, um, which there's pluses and minuses to that. Um, on the one hand, I can't analyze an entire tape in five minutes. Um, on the other hand, uh, I may, find notes that the automated system would miss right so that's um and it's and it's a kind of a i don't want to say a gut feel but it's more of an art than a science yes in a lot of cases where if i'm looking at a tape uh you know i can look at my numbers and again an automated system might pass that up but i would look at it and, and identify ones that that would work for me because of abc yeah um, so I, I, I like doing that, but it's that's funny you say that. Yeah. It's funny you say, cause I was talking to our friend Tim one time and we were talking about how do you truly do a good valuation of property? That's and tough. we spent probably 20 minutes and we came up with, I think 80 to a hundred different points to make a property. And we only spent 20 minutes on it. So yeah. railroad tracks, schools, churches, yeah. you know, crime. There's so many things that go into play that you're right. The gut feeling really tells you more than actual just numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if you can get through that and get that, that return is great. But, and it's something you learn. It's something you kind of explain and talk about and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And you miss something or, you know, mm -hmm. we have different opinions. I've debated with people. Is crime a real factor when you're buying a note? And to me, I don't agree. It is because people are still buying in crime areas. I agree with you. <laughs> right. It yeah. sucks. It is what it is, but people are still buying in areas so they can still sell the property. Yeah. You may not like living there. Bars and windows is something I don't want to do, but it's not about that. Yeah. So I agree with you. Organization does help that. I think that it's hard to teach somebody how to analyze a property value. It is. It's tough. It's tough. So, so as far as systems, that's one that I looked at kind of some kind of an automation like you do, but, yep. but I actually prefer doing it manually. Um, one of the biggest things that has, that really kind of took me to another level was, um, just like a tracking software and I use pipe drive and, uh, I think it's fantastic. It, it helps me cool. keep organized and notes and phone calls and everything is just all in one place and I can keep it all together. 
So, so I, just explain a little bit about what that does. Is it a to-do list for those who are not familiar with Pipedrive? So Pipedrive for me in the note space, so it's, it's a CRM, uh, customer relations management tool. And um, to me, the biggest advantage to Pipedrive is that my Gmail is in Pipedrive live. So I don't have to go and download it several times a day or anything like that and, and update it. It just, it's automatic. If something comes into my Gmail, it automatically shows up in Pipedrive. So then from there, I can attach an email uh, to a specific property, to a specific loan that I'm dealing with. And then I can go into that loan and I can you know, create notes and I've got all the property information, all the loan information, everything that I want all in one place. And then, I, and then on top of that, then it also has like a task list. So I can set it so that every day I know exactly what I do when I get into the office. And if it's on the list for that day, that's what I do. And then, you know, I set it yeah. for the next day. If I need to follow up, I'll set it for a week from now to follow up. And, and it just, it helps keep everything very organized and make sure nothing falls through the cracks. Do you remember what the cost of that is a month? I forget what it is. I don't. I think I paid okay. yearly. I, gosh, $100, $200 a year, something. Okay. I don't remember. That's all good. Not terribly you know, expensive, but extremely yeah. useful. And those, I know that um, Sean mentioned going from zero to 10 loans. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know. Yeah. I hate to scare people off with that, but get your first loan and get, and get a feel for it. Yes. Um, if you buy a first loans performer, it's going to be really easy. You're tracking your payments. You're, you know, you're, there's no servicing notes. Um, there's deal. no to do's. You're just yeah. checking it monthly and excited when that check comes in and then get pissed off when you realize that your P&I is not your P&I coming in the bank account. Right. Um, your escrow hits or whatever. So I think that when we do stuff like that, having that system in place is you don't know what systems you need until you do it. Um, and what works for you works for someone else, doesn't work for someone else. Um, but I, I do agree, learning the system is a good thing. PyDrive is an option. Um, we've used in Trello, we've used Google Sheets um, and whatnot. But there's no right you, way or wrong way. We use Trello for we use Trello for just for tracking uh, deal situations. Um, okay. We also use a Google Sheet with automated emails so that okay. if something comes up, a flag comes up like, hey, we didn't receive our payment for 60 days on this loan. I'll get an email from that sheet saying, hey, listen, this, we have, we're, this loan has been out. And then it also shoots out, um, uh, I get an email daily of all the tasks I have to do on all my loans mm -hmm. um, to know what it is. Um, and then an email goes out to my assistant to also describe what we need to get done. Um, and it, like you say, it, it's what works for you. I know you're a big spreadsheet yep. person, so that, yep. that works really well for you. I actually transferred from tra spreadsheets over to Pipedrive because I, I yeah. just... To me, it was getting way too complicated, way too, you know, I had my okay. color coding going on. <laughs> and you know what? For 10 notes, that's fine. Yeah, um, absolutely. After about 50 notes or so, that, that gets cumbersome. Yes. And gets confusing. So yeah. you have to switch over at some point. Yeah. And, and missing timelines and deadlines is huge in the space, right? Mm -hmm. um, time is of the essence. Oh, yeah. Especially for, you know, if that 90 days delinquency happens, you're sending out that paper as soon as possible to get that clock starting. Yeah. Um, if you're in a situation where taxes are due, you yes. need to make sure you're, or forced place insurance is due, or if you're doing yeah. forced, now the question is, do you do forced place insurance or not? These are the kind of things you don't even think about. Well, right. of course you do. Well, guess what? 
how many force place insurance policies have I actually got funds from? Right. Different than I thought I wanted. Right. You're excited, you got insurance in place, something happened, you're like, I can prove it, it's perfect. And it's a no. For whatever crazy reason, it's a no. Yeah. Fuck insurance friends. Um, actually, I just got paid out on one. I just well, I haven't received the check yet, but they just notified me that I'm gonna get the check on, on one. It was actually in uh, Port Arthur. Okay. They got the hurricane twice this season. Yep. So that that needed it. So I paid for these shirts. Yeah, so that worked. Um, and it's honestly it wasn't as high as I was hoping as a, I was gonna get, but the house wasn't destroyed either. So yeah, it will be okay. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we talked about 2021, our goals and stuff like that. Yeah. I think our numbers are gonna be depending on what happens, but I'd love I'd love to pick up another 20, 25 more assets um, mm-hmm. in 2021. If the, the numbers work out, we'll go to 50 to 100 without a problem. Um, we are looking to buy more pools than we did in the past. Um, we've bought pools in 2020, we bought pools in 2019, um, yeah. but in the last six months, we're buying one to choose again, just because the inventory has been kind of weird for us. Yeah. Um, we just, yeah, we're kind of dialed in. Yeah, definitely looking at pools. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that it would be uh, <laughs> a poor economy going on. <laughs> this is true. House prices are really high still here, I, I, which is amazing. Um, sell, houses are still selling like this. Um, a property in, on my block is selling for, if I would have BPO'd it, probably it's selling for about 15% higher than it should. I don't know why. I don't get it. Um, it's just what's available. Well, and refinance uh, rates are still record low. Uh, so that's actually been a really cool thing in the last year and a half or so. I've had several payoffs, much more than I have in past years. Uh, yep. Just interest rates are so low that people are refinancing. When I, yeah. I encourage that. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone here has a mortgage, uh, we're actually doing it right now. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm saving our money and whatnot. It, it's amazing. We thought our, our rates were low beforehand. We're dropping down again to refinance yep. out and continue. And my mortgage guy's like, hey, let me explain more amortization schedule to you. I'm like, don't bother. I'm okay. Don't bother. I got this. Yeah. So, you know, the but I think that going from, you know, getting your first loan and all that stuff, it, this is a good opportunity to just sit down with people who aren't doing as much as they did in 2019 and, and, and work with them. There's different avenues you can help out and mentor and broker and whatnot in just getting out there. Um, there is a lot of inventory that circle around. Mm-hmm. I personally, get on a phone call with it. You know, if you're buying your first loan or whatever, get a phone call with a couple of sellers and just pick the brain. Hey, listen, what can what can I do to get an asset off your plate? What asset are you most looking to sell off? You know, um, don't ask the question why because you question yourself if the truth the answer is coming out or not. Right. Um, but just dot your eyes, cross your t's, talk to your attorney, and get things done like Aaron Quinn uh, was listening in on. But yeah. you know, I think that 2021 can be a really good year. Um, yeah. Just be open-minded and look around. Yeah, uh, there are so many opportunities on the horizon. So just be aware, keep your head up. Yeah. Watch. Well, guys, it. we're going to take off next week. Uh, Christmas is happening and uh, my wife would kill me if we did one of these things during the day for her. Um, and I think we're going to reconvene uh, either the following week during the week or the following week after that. I hope these are pretty helpful for you. Nate, I appreciate Ben. Um, yeah. jumping in with you. I think the first time we actually met, we had been on a plane flight home. It's been great. Yes. Um, 
chat with you and, and spend time with me, man. Um, but uh, let's let's reconvene next week, uh, the following week, and we'll see what's going on. Yeah, you bet. Good Thanks, time. guys. All right. Yeah.